thank you for today, Lord. I thank you for the opportunity that we have to meet together and the freedom that we have to do that, Father. I pray, Father, as we come together, Lord, that we would uh, just be able to uh, focus on you, God. And uh, I just thank you, Father, that you are sovereign over all things, Lord. I thank you, Father, that you have blessed us beyond measure, Father. And I pray, Father, as we enter into this time of worship, Lord, um, that it would just be a sweet time before you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen.
Father, we thank you, Lord Jesus. God, that you make every crooked path straight. God, that you are God and God alone, and there's none like you. God, you satisfy your people. God, that you brought us out of darkness and into your marvelous light. You bid us to go into the world to proclaim the good news. You have risen. That you are the Messiah, the Son of God. That those who put their trust in you believe upon you shall not perish but have eternal life you say that you come to give us life and life in the abundance that it's the enemy that comes to steal to kill and to destroy oh God move among us this day Lord be pleased to reveal yourself to us, Father, through your Son, Jesus. That those who may not know you will come to know you this day. Yes. That they will put their hope and their trust in the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Oh God, the temporalness of this life is fading away. And yet we try to find satisfaction and pleasure and the temporalness of life. Father, we worship the created and not the creator. And God, have mercy upon us. Awaken us this day, God. The sense of urgency of the hour that's upon us. That we would do your will. That we would walk in obedience. That we wouldn't hold a form of religion and deny your power. Oh, but God, that we would walk in the assurance of our King. Empowered by your Holy Spirit yes. to advance your kingdom. For your name and for your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Good morning, everyone. Amen. Psalm 34, verse 14 is our psalm for this year. Turn from evil and to do good. Seek for peace and work hard to maintain it. To turn from evil and to do good. To search for peace and to work hard to maintain it. And I want to and continually to encourage us in this pursuit. With this understanding that in and of ourselves, we can't do this. That's why this new life in Christ must be lived out, empowered by the Holy Spirit. In fact, we know, Scripture says, what you received in the Spirit, why are you trying now to live it out according to the flesh? It can't be. Those two forces are opposite of each other. The Bible says the flesh and the Spirit, they war within us. 
But greater is he that is in me than he that is in this world. If you are a believer of Jesus Christ, you have the victory. You have the opportunity to worship God. Because now you're at peace with God through Jesus Christ, your Lord. It's not a, it's not a form of religion. It's just not a good collection of stories. No, this is truth. This is life-changing truth. And that's important. Your life should be changing. Transformation should be taking place. No longer looking to the things of this world to make you whole because your wholeness comes from Christ. The Word of God says that you are in Christ. Like He loved you so much that He laid His life down for you. And we cannot continue to listen to the lies of the enemy. We cannot continue to just be moved and stirred by the desires of the flesh. No, we must be submitted to God. You're calling yourself a Christian. That is your position in Christ, fully submitted to Christ. The old is gone. The new has come. And when you get that revelation, when you begin to live this out, you won't keep doing what is evil. You will pursue to do what is right. Not in and of your own strength, but because of your submission to the Lord. You won't live a life grieving the Holy Spirit. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and don't do what I ask? How can we continue to go around calling ourselves Christians when we are not even following Christ? Deception is running amok in the land, running amok in the church. But we are told that the wheat and the tares will gather together. Not everyone sitting in church is a Christian. Even if they call themselves one, you will know them by their fruit. You will know those who are following Christ and those who aren't. Those who are following Jesus are pursuing righteous living. Not in and of their own strength, not by doing religious works, but by totally depending upon Christ and all that he has accomplished. And we can take joy in this. Did you wake up this morning, no matter what you're facing, with your eyes up to Christ, focused and fixed upon him? Like this temporal world doesn't have a hold on you. No, his kingdom. Do you think upon his kingdom? Like this eternal kingdom where even now the angels are singing, are crying out before the throne, holy, holy, holy. That is the attribute of God. His, he is holy. And for he, forever, that's what they will be singing. Holy, 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 holy. This is the God in whom, if you are a believer, you are saying that you are surrendered to. Willingly, not forced. Like you receive his love for you. And then you live it out. You are an expression of his love to others. Turning from evil 
doing good, seeking for peace, and working hard to maintain it. Listen, you all, God is not playing. He thought man that he should lie. He's God. And when you stand before him, as each of us will, on the day that we take our last breath, we would stand before him and give an account to him. I want you to think about that day. When you stand before God and give an account for your life, And the only thing that's going to matter is what you've done with Jesus. All your excuses, everything else, is not even going to matter. It's what you've done with Jesus. Did you accept Jesus as Lord and Savior? Did you surrender your life to Him? Did you turn from evil and begin to do good? (laughs) Again, not in your, of your own strength, but having fruit come forth from this new life. I know we like to make excuses why we don't grow, why we don't mature, but that is ignorant. To continue to strip Jesus of his power. Because he takes us, rebellion and all, and he transforms us. The liar stops lying. The perverted starts living a clean life. The addict is free. No longer addicted to drugs, alcohol, and sex. And whatever else. The thief begins to work and no longer steals. Those with the abusive mouth and horrible language begins to speak words that edify, that build up, that encourage. And if your life is not marked by transformation, then I would beseech you to get before Christ. Because if you're calling yourself a Christian and you're not living like one, the only person you're fooling and deceiving is yourself. You will spend eternity in hell. Because God is not playing. And as we open God's word today, I want you to go to Exodus chapter 10. He's not playing. He's not a, a wimpy God. No matter how you may want to picture him in your mind, no matter how you want to dismiss him and just keep going your way, oh, you can keep going your way. But in the end, in the end, that's all you got. And yet God loves you so much that he continually reveals himself to you, continually making himself known to you. And then it's your choice to reject him. It's your choice to say, I would rather go my way. It's your choice. I would rather keep doing this. I would rather keep doing that. I would rather keep doing. And yet God says, no, stop going that way. It is only meant for destruction. You're choosing destruction over love. And yet, 
all of us who continue to choose destruction, we're just trying to find love. (laughs) And all along, love is before us. And yet we reject him. Because sin feels good. Oh, we got to stop playing games because he's not a God that plays. And as we're seeing, these plagues are coming upon Pharaoh in Egypt. Total destruction. Because they will not surrender to God. And yet God knew all along that they wouldn't. You see, God knows who belongs to him and who doesn't. But God, through these events, this again isn't just a good little Bible story. No, these are actual events that took place in history. It's a history lesson. It's a reminder for the church how great our God is. And God himself even says, it continues to tell Moses, to tell his people, all of these things are happening so that I, God, my glory will be made known to Egypt. That my glory and my presence will be known even to my own people. Because remember God's purpose, you all, is to have a people that he will call his own and that they will call him their God. And if you're sitting here today and you're calling yourself a Christian, you're saying that he is your God. And yet you're not submitted to him. Liar. You're a liar. You're deceiving yourself and you're deceiving others. Because there's no love in you for him. None. 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 And how sad is that? But God is so gracious and so kind. He's slow to anger. He's full of mercy and compassion. He's longing for you. To be with him. So stop the charade. Stop the game. See him for who he is. Worship him. Love on him. Seek him every day. Honor him. In all that you say and do. And when you do wrong, get up and be Move on to do right. Because again, it's not about perfection, but it is about growing up. It is about maturing in your faith. God, you all, revealing himself to mankind. And so as we pick up in Exodus chapter 10, yet another plague is coming. (laughs) Then the Lord said to Moses, Return to Pharaoh and make your demands again. I have made him and his officials stubborn. Look at this. So that I can display my miraculous signs among them. I've also done it so you can tell your children and grandchildren 
about how I made a mockery of the Egyptians and about the signs I displayed among them. And so you will know that I am the Lord. He's to be made known. We are to tell of his greatness. And we have a generation of youth growing up today, and they don't know God. They don't know God. And how sad. And we have a generation of youth today that are sitting in churches supposedly in Christian homes, and they do not know God. Because the parents and the grandparents are not living for God. They're not telling them of His marvelous deeds, of His vastness and of His greatness, and of what He's done in history and in the present in their own life. Telling their children, and their grandchildren of how awesome God is. Look how far He's brought us. Look at what He's done in and through our lives. Let us seek Him while He may still be found. Let us turn from evil and do good. I know we've always gone this way, but let's turn to God. Because He's lavishing His love upon us. His desire is that we will know Him. His desire is that we will live for Him. Tell of His marvelous deeds and of His works. Remind them of how great He is. That they will serve Him. Train up a child in a way in which they should go. And if they depart, they will return. I think of my grandfather, who was the faithful one in my life to tell me of God. To open up the word and to share Jesus with me. Every time I was with him, and I didn't have the opportunity to be with him every day. It may have been every other year, but he was faithful of every time I was with him to sit me down and talk to me about Jesus, to read the Bible to me, to encourage me that the day that I was on the couch ready to end my life as the pills were going to my mouth, and Jesus spoke to my heart and said, today you will live all of the sudden, all those memories all of the truth that my grandfather planted in my heart became forth. And Jesus became my Savior and Lord. It just wasn't a game. It just wasn't just showing up to church when I was able to. It just wasn't saying a little prayer here and praying a little prayer there and, oh Jesus, oh Jesus. No, it was a transformation. Like your life changes. Tell the children and your grandchildren of the goodness of God. 
what he's done throughout history and what he's doing in your own heart and in your own life. I remember when I had to go to my daughter and ask for forgiveness for the years that I neglected her because I was pursuing me, myself and I. And it would do some of your you as parents sitting here to do the same thing, to humble yourself and to apologize to your children for your godless living and your godless ways, leading them on the path of destruction. Turn from evil and do good. Tell them the goodness of God. Live your life before them, not perfect, but humbled. Allowing them to begin to see the transformation. My daughter began to see a transformation. And then trust and trust them to God. You can't change them. Only God can transform a heart. Only the Holy Spirit can draw men and women into his presence. To love him. To love him. And God is telling them here in this account, this is why I'm doing it. Not only to reveal myself, but to reveal myself to you and your children. So that they will know that I am God, that I am Lord. So Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said, This is what the Lord, the God of the Hebrews says. How long will you refuse to submit to me? How long will you refuse to submit to me? And I believe that's a question for some of us here today. How long will you continue to refuse to listen to God? He's doing everything he has possibly can throughout your life to reveal yourself to himself to you. And yet you're refusing to listen. You're refusing to give up your rights. You're refusing. And how sad. What is it going to take? What is it going to take? It's easy to run to God when you have issues. Life is pressing up upon you. Oh God, help me. Oh God, pay my rent. Oh God, do this. Oh God, do that. But that's not what God is looking for. God is looking for people who will pursue Him. And the good times and the bad times. A consistent walk with Him. To say, you're God. No matter what's pressing up against me, no matter what my circumstances may be, like you're God. And that he makes a way out of every sin, of every temptation. And that you don't have to be marked by sin and rebellion, but your life should be marked by love for him. No matter what your friends are saying, no matter how people may make fun of you, you know, in this day and age, everyone is demanding their rights And everyone is talking about we all need to love each other and just come together. 
But Jesus himself said, what do you think? I came to bring unity? No, I came to divide those who will love me and those who don't. And the enemy is working overtime, you all. Confusing people. Distorting God's truth. That even the message of love, the message of hope, the message of truth is not being heard in this hour. Christians are looked down upon. Christians are being silenced. Christian youth are having a hard time living a full life out in this generation. Oh, but let me tell you something. Rather you're old or young, keep seeking after God. Stand in the hour, in this hour, and know that God will honor it. We will be persecuted. We will be made fun of. We will not be accepted in this world. Your acceptance, your acceptance will only be found in Christ. If you're seeking your identity, if you're seeking your worth from this world, nothing good will come from it. It'll continue to keep breaking you and shattering you and destroying you. But come to Jesus. Be made whole. Be set free. Be forgiven. Find your identity in Christ, the risen Savior, the one who has defeated sin and death, the great King of kings, the conqueror, the hope for all who will turn to him. God is not playing. How long will you refuse to submit to me? Let my people go so they can worship me. If you refuse, watch out, for tomorrow I will bring a swarm of locusts on your country. They will cover the land so that you won't be able to see the ground. They will devour what little is left of your crops after the hailstorm, including all the trees growing in the fields. They will overrun your palaces and the homes of your officials and all the houses in Egypt. Never in the history of Egypt have your ancestors seen a plague like this one. And with that, Moses turned and left Pharaoh. Pharaoh's officials now came to Pharaoh and appealed to him. How long will you let this man hold us hostage? Let the men go to worship the Lord their God. Don't you realize that Egypt lies in ruins? Pharaoh's officials are trying to talk sense into Pharaoh. Let them go. Don't you see what is happening around us? Even the little that we had is now gone. And yet Pharaoh was so consumed with himself. Remember, Pharaoh thought he was God. He was the one that should be worshipped. You know what? In some of our lives, we're so consumed with ourselves that we just keep enslaved to destruction 
that we're destroying other lives around us. Pharaoh's rebellious heart. Pharaoh's stubbornness. Pharaoh's refusal to submit to God not only cost Pharaoh, but it cost the entire country. (laughs) On a smaller scale, guess what your rebellion does? It destroys your family. For generations. For generations. When we refuse to submit... All that we have is destruction. And yet, like I said earlier, as we seek ourselves and we're just reaping destruction, we don't see the destruction or how it's affecting others because we're so consumed with ourselves. And yet the very thing that we're seeking in the midst of destruction is a place to belong, is love. And yet all along love, because God is love, is revealing himself to us. And yet we are willfully choosing to refuse him. These officials came. Come on, Pharaoh. Don't you see? We're in ruins. (laughs) We have nothing. And nothing. No response. And then we're going to see how Pharaoh plays, and as we have seen, Pharaoh plays the repentance game. I'm sorry. Make it better, God. And as soon as God makes it better, we're right back to our old ways. Oh, the flesh, you all. It only knows how to die. It only knows the ways of destruction. The flesh only knows how to deceive, how to lie, how to be filled with lust and anger and woundings. God, I'm sorry. Oh, God, help me. Make it better. And yet he does. And our repentance wasn't genuine. The Bible talks about a genuine repentance. No, you see the depths of your sin. You see the destruction of sin and the separation from God because of your choice. Not because of God. We blame God. How could a loving God do this? How could a loving God not do it? That should be the question. Because He loves you. His desire is that you would come to Him. That you would honor Him. That God would be glorified. Is your life in ruins today? Are other people in your life see the ruins in which you're in? 
Well, there's hope. Turn to God. Turn away from yourself and turn to God. He will receive you if your repentance is genuine. He will receive you because he doesn't hold out a stiff hand or stiff arm to those who sincerely seek him. Verse 8, so Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. All right, he told them, go and worship the Lord your God. But who exactly is going to be with you? And Moses replied, we will all go, young and old, our sons and daughters, and our flocks and herds. We must all join together in celebrating the festival to the Lord. And Pharaoh retorted, the Lord will certainly need to be with you if I let you take your little ones. I can see through your evil plan. Never. Only the men may go and worship the Lord, since that is what you requested. And Pharaoh threw them out of his palace. It's just like the devil. (laughs) Always pushing back on what God is working in and through us. Always twisting the truth and making it and presenting it to be lies. Oh God, guard our hearts in this hour as the days grow more evil. That our hearts would be guarded. That our minds would be guarded. That we would seek Him. That we will stand for truth. Notice Moses didn't accept what was being offered to him. Moses stood for truth. No, it's all of us. <laughs> Just don't hand me a little. No, I want all that God has. I'm not settling just for this little bit of maturity. No, I want it all. I want my life to change. I want my life to impact my loved ones. Don't settle. So many people come to Christ and then they they just stop. And all they end up doing is going back to their old ways. Because they're not allowing the fullness of Christ They're not allowing the Holy Spirit, whom they've been given, the right to their lives, and say, yes, Lord, change me. So many of us are worried about changing others, and God is worried about changing you. Moses didn't settle. No, it's all of us. It's according to God's plan. If Moses would have accepted this offer... God help Moses. (laughs) Moses knew. And sometimes we're going to have to take that stand you are in our Christian life. We're just not going to accept the little that's going to be thrown at us. No, we're going to live to the fullness of who God is and the requirements of God and honoring God in our lives. Then the Lord said to Moses, Raise your hand over the land of Egypt. Bring on the locusts. Let them cover the land and devour every plant that survived the hailstorm. So Moses raised his staff over Egypt, and the Lord caused an east wind to blow over the land all the day and through the night. When morning arrived, the east wind had brought the locusts, 
And the locusts swarmed over the whole land of Egypt, settling in dense swarms from one end of the country to the other. It was the worst locust plague in the Egyptian history, and there has never been another one like it. For the locusts covered the whole country and darkened the land. They devoured every plant in the fields and all the fruit on the trees that, are, that were survived through the hailstorm. Not a single leaf was left on the trees and plants throughout the land of Egypt. Pharaoh quickly summoned Moses and Aaron. I have sinned against the Lord your God and against you. He confessed, forgive my sin just this once and plead with the Lord your God to take away this death from me. <laughs> He's still just looking at himself. He didn't say from our land, from the land. No, just from me. His repentance was not genuine. So Moses left Pharaoh's court and pleaded with the Lord. The Lord responded by shifting the wind, and the strong west wind blew the locusts into the Red Sea. Not a single locust remained in all the land of Egypt, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart again, so he refused to let the people go. God knows our hearts. He knew Pharaoh would not turn. He knew. Then the Lord said to Moses, Lift your hand toward heaven, and the land of Egypt will be covered with a darkness so thick you can feel it. Have you ever felt that type of darkness? The seasons in my life when I have, that darkness is so thick that you can feel it. It's the worst of the worst, you all. God is not playing. Again, this isn't just a, a little Bible story. <laughs> These are actual events that took place. This is history. This is our God. This is what he did. And this is what he continues to do. He can bring about and do whatever he wants if he so designs it to bring about his glory. To reveal himself to those who belong to him. Why do you think it's such tragic events that people look are looking to God? They're just going about their day and day in, doing their own day and day in. Feeling their lust of their flesh, giving themselves to whatever, but let a storm hit. Let a bomb go off. Let buildings come down. And then all of a sudden, everyone's looking for God. And those who will seek Him will find Him if they seek Him with their whole heart. And I know that upsets people. But God has not ceased to be God. No, he's God. And he will allow events to take place throughout this earth to reveal himself to mankind. And we ought to know that he's not playing. Especially as we begin to see prophecies being fulfilled of his returning. As we look upon with the expectant hope of Christ to return and we see how the darkness is advancing Quickly and quickly and quickly in our generation. And we want to play church. We want to give in to continue to our desires and our wants. 
Acting as if he's not returning. Acting as if he's not God. Oh, but he is. And that's why we are warned. This is what these days are going to look like. And we as the church need to be prepared Amen. for the coming of our king. Amen. We're not to be entangled with the world. <laughs> no, we're to be proclaiming the good news to the world. My God, use us and our generation. Use us to declare your goodness your righteousness, salvation in Christ and in Christ alone. That there is a way in which we are to live. And it's the way of righteousness. It's the way of holiness. So many times we talk more about our sin, we talk more about the enemy than we do our God. And then we wonder why we're so defeated. We make excuses. But Jesus, you all, he is alive. He is victorious. This is whom we place our trust in. So come, Lord Jesus. That's why the church can cry out collectively. Come, Lord Jesus. Come now. Because we're not afraid of his return. Because we're not objects of his wrath any longer. We are objects of his love. Amen. But those who are not objects of his love are objects of, their, of, of his wrath. And that's why they fear of his coming. Which one are you today? When you close your eyes at night, when the earth shakes, are you an object of his wrath or are you an object of his love? Do you have the peace of God? If not, then come to Jesus, you all. The hour is urgent. The generation is in chaos. Where are the Christians who love God with all of their heart, with all of their soul, with all of their mind, with all of their body, and with all of their strength? Where are the Christians and yet all I hear the majority of the time are excuses and excuses and excuses of why people don't come to Jesus and why they, God just not doing this and I just keep doing this. And everyone has their running around in circles chasing their own tail. And the hour is urgent. <laughs> and we want him to be how we want him to be. And yet he says, I will move. And when I move, People will search for me. And those who are genuine, I will reveal myself to them. The Bible says if you seek him with your whole heart, you will find him. This is God, you all. And he has caused these plagues. He has destroyed the country of Egypt, this strong nation. He has destroyed her. To bring about his glory Amen. to the earth. Amen. This is our God. Amen. So Moses lifted his hand, verse 22, to the sky and the deep darkness covered the entire land of Egypt for three days. During all that time, the people could not see each other and no one moved. <laughs> but, huh, 
There was light as usual where the people of Israel lived. Amen. You see, God's people are always protected. God's people are always protected. Finally, Pharaoh called Moses for Moses. Go and worship the Lord, he said. But leave your flocks and herds from here. You may even take your little ones with you. No, Moses said. You must, we must, I'm sorry, you must provide us with animals for sacrifices and burnt offerings to the Lord our God. All our livestock must go with us too. Not a hoof can be left behind. We must choose our sacrifices for the Lord our God from among these animals. And we won't know how we are to worship the Lord until we get there. But the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart one more, and he would not let them go. Get out of here, Pharaoh shouted at Moses. I am warning you, never come back to see me again. The day you see my face, you will die. Very well, Moses replied. I will never see your face again. Wow. Chapter 11. Then the Lord said to Moses, I will strike Pharaoh and the land of Egypt with one more blow. After that, Pharaoh will let you leave this country. In fact, he will be so eager to get rid of you that he will force you all to leave. Only God knows the future. You can't put your hope in psychics. You can't put your hope in horoscopes. You can't put your hope in the things of this earth and of this world. Only God knows the future. What God has planned, God will bring about. And God is telling Moses, my final blow is coming. <laughs> Tell all the Israelite men and women to ask the Egyptian neighbors for articles of silver and gold. Now the Lord had caused the Egyptians to look favorably on the people of Israel. And Moses was considered a very great man in the land of Egypt, respected by Pharaoh's officials and the Egyptian people alike. God's favor was upon his people. That they were even going to ask their enemies for gold and for silver. And they will comply. They will give it to them. Because God moved. Moses had announced to Pharaoh, This is what the Lord says. At midnight tonight I will pass through the heart of Egypt. All the firstborn sons will die in every family in Egypt. From the oldest son of Pharaoh who sits on the throne to the oldest son of his lowliest servant girl who grinds the flour, even the firstborn of all the livestock will die. Then a loud wail will rise throughout the land of Egypt, a wail like no one has heard before or will ever hear again. But we have to like this next verse. And as we've seen throughout these verses, this is the wrath, this is the destruction that's coming, but those who belong to me. But among the Israelites, God's people, it will be so peaceful that not even a dog will bark. Then you will know that I, that I the Lord, makes a distinction between the Egyptians and the Israelites. God makes a distinction between the people who belong to God and the people who don't. Amen. All of the officials of Egypt will run to me and fall to the ground. 
before me. Please leave, they will beg. Hurry and take all of your followers with you. Only then will I go. Then burning with anger, Moses left Pharaoh. Now the Lord had told Moses earlier, Pharaoh will not listen to you, but then I will do even more mighty miracles in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron performed these miracles in Pharaoh's presence, but the Lord hardened Pharaoh's heart, and he wouldn't let the Israelites leave the country. Chapter 12, we're only going to verse 15. While the Israelites were still in the land of Egypt, the Lord gave the following instructions to Moses and Aaron. From now on, this month will be the first month of the year for you. Announce to the whole community of Israel that on the tenth day of this month, each family must choose a lamb or a young goat for a sacrifice, one animal for each household. If a family is too small to eat a whole animal, let them share with another family in the neighborhood. Divide the animal according to the size of each family and how much they can eat. The animal you select must be a one-year-old male, either a sheep or a goat, with no defects. Take special care of those chosen animals until the evening of the 14th day of the first month. Then the whole assembly of the community of Israel must slaughter their lamb or young goat at twilight. They are to take some of the blood and smear it on the sides and the top of the door frames of the houses where they eat the animal. That same night, they must roast the meat over a fire and eat it along with bitter salad greens and bread made without yeast. Do not eat any of the meat raw or boiled in water. The whole animal, including the head, legs, and eternal organs, must be roasted over a fire. Do not leave any of it until the next morning. Burn whatever is not eaten before the morning. These are your instructions for eating this meal. Be fully dressed, wear your sandals, and carry your walking stick in your hand. Eat the meal with urgency, for this is the Lord's Passover. On that night, I will pass through the land of Egypt and strike down every firstborn son and firstborn male animal in the land of Egypt. I will execute judgment against all the gods of Egypt, for I am the Lord. But the blood on your doorpost will serve as a sign, marking the houses where you are staying. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. This plague of death will not touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. God, you all. God. Listen. Jesus is ultimately... The sacrificial lamb. It's his blood that atones for our sins. It's the cross that he was nailed to. The whips that he took upon his body. The horrible death that he experienced. So that you would not have to. It was his resurrection that defeated sin and death and freed the people of God finally this is foreshadowing Jesus you all he is the great deliverer he is the great deliverer God gave specific instructions and they had to be followed 
lest they experience the judgment that was coming. And so it is in our generation and the generations leading up to the return of Christ. There is a way in which you ought to be living. <laughs> it's in Christ. Filled with the Holy Spirit. The Bible says if you walk in the Spirit continually, you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Object of His love or object of His wrath? You choose this day whom you will serve. Because God has made all provision. The Bible says that God has done everything that He's going to do. He's provided everything you need to live a godly life. So we're, we are without excuse. Again, it's not the perfect life from your own strength. No, it's the life surrendered and given to His strength. A life that's daily crying out unto God, not my will, but your will. I don't want to continue to go my way. God, I want to honor you in all that I say and do. The people of God in the midst of judgment was at peace. They were at peace. Let it be marked of us, the people of God in our generation. That as we see calamity after calamity, after we see the craziness that just keeps escalating, that we will be at peace. Remember? Seek for peace and work hard to maintain it. Don't be moved by what the world is doing and what's going on in the world. Don't be at peace and be ready to respond to meet the needs of those who are not at peace. Encourage them to seek the Lord. We as individuals, we as just people, we have nothing to offer anyone. <laughs> but those who are Christians, oh, what we do have to offer is Jesus. Like I've been telling you over the past few months, all you have to give people is Jesus. There's no counsel, there's no wisdom apart from Jesus. Amen. <laughs> we're not... In, yeah, we're not and motivated to, to, to allow them to feel comfortable in the temporal world, if they choose to do so, then send them on their way. Send them on their way. They need to experience whatever they need to experience in hopes that they will turn to Jesus. But God is not playing, you all. He's God. Go to Matthew chapter 20. It's only reading verses 1 through 28. Jesus' words. Jesus talks about his kingdom, the kingdom of God. And as Christians, we have been engrafted into that kingdom, a kingdom that cannot be shaken, a kingdom with a firm foundation that no matter what the report is, no matter what's coming against you, no matter what is taking place around you, no matter how many thousands die on, your, on, on all around you, 
You are part of a kingdom. This world is not your home. You're looking upward and onward to the day of salvation through the return of Jesus. And Jesus says here in Matthew chapter 20, For the kingdom of heaven is like the landowner who went out early one morning to hire workers for his vineyard. He agreed to pay the normal daily wage and sent them out to work. At nine o'clock in the morning, he was passing through the marketplace and saw some people standing around doing nothing. So he hired them, telling them he would pay them whatever was right at the end of the day. So they went to work in the vineyard. At noon and again at three o'clock, he did the same thing. At five o'clock that afternoon, he was in town again and saw more people standing around. He asked them, why haven't you been working today? They replied, because no one hired us. The landowner told them, then go out and join the others in my vineyard. That evening, he told the foreman to call all the workers in and pay them, beginning with the last workers first. When those hired at five o'clock were paid, each received a full day's work. Huh? When those hired first came to get their pay, they assumed that they would receive more. But they too were paid a day's wage. When they received their pay, they protested to the owner. Those people worked only one hour, and you've paid them just as much as you paid us, who worked all day in the scorching heat. And he answered them, Friend, I haven't been unfair. Did you agree to work all day for the usual pay? Take your money and go. I wanted to pay this last worker the same as you. Is it against the law for me to do what I want with my money? Should you be jealous because I am kind to others? So those who are last now will be first. Then those who are first will be last. Jesus is teaching a kingdom principle. It doesn't make sense to the natural man. To so those who are only bound by their natural mind and the temporalness of life, it doesn't make sense. That's why as Christians, it's important that you're growing in knowledge and understanding of God's word. He's teaching about his kingdom, kingdom principles. These people were upset. I've worked all day. How is this person who's at the last hour getting the same pay as I am? But doesn't God have a right to do what God wants and how he wants it? <laughs> who are we? Even Paul says to the church, who are you, mere man, to question God? No, oh, he's God. And I love this one commentary I was reading about this portion of scripture. There's people who are saved earlier in their lives and yet they're going to see the same reward as those on their deathbed at their last second who cries out to Jesus. They're going to receive the fullness of his kingdom just as those way back here who accept it. He's God. Yes. Now, I would encourage you, don't play games in, in hopes that'll be you on your deathbed. Because <laughs> there's some people who will continue to choose to go their way in hopes that they'll be the one on their deathbed making the profession of faith. Trust me, you won't. 
Because if you've done it your whole life, your heart isn't right towards God. God can do whatever he wants with how he chooses to move in the lives of people and how he rewards people. But rather you're at the end of your life or rather you've lived 80 some odd years with Christ, the inheritance is the same. Well done, my good and faithful servant. Enter into my rest. Oh, that's beautiful. The thief on the cross He looked at Jesus and said, remember me. And what did Jesus tell him? Oh, you're wicked. You're not coming with me. No. So I said, today, you'll be with me in paradise. Wow, this is the God in whom we say we serve. He's full of love and compassion. And yet some people can hear this message and all they will see is this angry God. (laughs) He's a God of wrath and he's a God of love. And wherever you see his wrath, you'll see his love. Wherever you see his love, you'll see his wrath. He's God. And he is so gracious and he is so kind and he is so compassionate. Slow to anger. Wanting to reveal himself to his people. Come from out of the world. Come into my kingdom. And live. Life, you all. And life in abundance. Verse 17, as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside privately and told them what was going to happen to him. Listen, he said. We're going up to Jerusalem where the Son of Man will be betrayed to the leading priest and to the teachers of religious law. They will sentence him to die. They will hand him over to the Romans to be mocked, flogged with a whip, and crucified. But on the third day he will rise, he, he will be raised from the dead. Remember, Jesus has been telling them all along. He's instructing them of who he is and his purpose and why he has come. Jesus, you all. As soon as he says this, then the mother of James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came to Jesus with her sons. She knelt respectfully to ask for a favor. What is your request, he asked. She replied, in your kingdom, Please let my two sons sit in places of honor next to you, one on the right and the other on, the, on your left. But Jesus answered by saying to them, you don't know what you're asking. Are you able to drink from the bitter cup of suffering I'm about to drink? Oh, yes, they replied. We are able. Jesus told them, oh, you will indeed drink from my bitter cup. But I have no right to say who will sit on my right or on my left. My father has prepared those places for the ones he has chosen. When the ten other disciples heard what James and John had asked, they were indignant. But Jesus called to them together and said, You know that the rulers in this world lord it over their people, and officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Here's the kingdom principle, how you should be living. But among you, 
it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, the temporalness of life, this doesn't make sense. But according to the principles of the kingdom of God, it makes perfect sense. Jesus, God himself, fully God, fully man, humbled himself and became the greatest servant of all. And that's how Christians are to be living. <coughs> We're to be servants. And let me tell you, James and John, oh, they did suffer. <coughs> As with our brothers and sisters overseas, the persecuted church, they're suffering. And here in America, in the Western civilization, oh, we're not suffering yet, but it's coming. Keep watching. Go out there and start talking about Jesus. Start living right before others, and they'll laugh at you. How crazy is it? To live right, you're laughed at. But go and do bad with people. Go sex. Go drug. Go drink. Go lust. Go be foul mouth. Go murder. Go do whatever. And the world will applaud you. But yet they'll turn and devour you. But do what's right. And you're mocked and you're laughed at. Talk about Jesus. The real Jesus. Live for him. Let your life be an expression of who he is. And they're quick to come down on you. The rights of believers are being stripped little by little by little by little. Each and every single day in our nation. Oh, the time is coming where the Western church is going to face the hour of truth in their life. You're either for God or you're against Him. Are you ready? Are you living that every day? Oh, we will drink the cup of suffering. And you say, oh, but that's not fun. Well, your Christian life isn't supposed to be this hokey pokey dance. Your Christian life is about his kingdom and his, king, his kingdom is advancing. But this earth and this world is not embracing Jesus. So as it keeps getting darker, do not think that Christianity, Christianity, the, the faith of Christ in Jesus is going to be popular. It's not. So those who are going after Jesus, who are filled with his spirit and advancing his kingdom, will be hard-pressed, but you will not be crushed. And we're not to fear what man can do to us. Our fear is to only remain in the fear of God. Remember what the Word of God says? Don't fear man who can harm your physical body, fear God, the one who can destroy you and send you to hell. That's where your fear is to be placed. Again, not like, oh God, you're going to get me. Know your God. Because if you're an object of his love, 
The fear you have keeps you humbled before him. Submitted to him. Like, God, you love me. And when your judgments come, it will only fall upon those who are the objects of your wrath. I'm safe and secure in the arms of Christ. And you can have the hopes of salvation sealed into the day of redemption, protected by his power. That's how you ought to be living. That gives you the confidence and a hope to walk with your head up high. Say what you want about me, but God is for me and not against me. I am the head and not the tail. I'm above and not beneath. Come at me in every single way you can, devil. You cannot snatch me out of the hands of my God. Do you talk that way? Do you encourage yourself that way? Do you pray with your kids and your grandkids that way? Do they know your God? (laughs) Be a servant, you all. Humble yourself. Love others. Be Christ-like. Go to Psalm 25. I'm telling you, over this past years of just suffering through sickness and just all that we've gone through, as, even as a little small fellowship, and that's why I spoke about our fellowship last week. And if you didn't hear the message, hear, listen to the message. But we've gone through so much, yet we're still here. Amen. And God is working something anew and afresh in my heart and in my life. God is doing something new and afresh among us. So don't settle for being on the outside. No, come in. And let us collectively seek God. Let us collectively honor God. Let us grow and let us mature in the things of God. Repent. Turn from your sins. Turn to God. Life. Is but a vapor. You're here today and gone tomorrow. Let us not waste it, you all. Let us not waste it. Life is a precious gift. You only have one life. Let us honor God. Psalm 25, verse 1 through 15 is all we're reading of the psalm today. It's a psalm of David. He penned this. Oh, Lord, I give my life to you. I trust in you, my God. Do not let me be disgraced or let my enemies rejoice in my defeat. No one who trusts in you will ever be disgraced, but disgrace comes to those who try to deceive others. Look at verse 4 through verse 7. What a beautiful prayer. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by your truth and teach me, for you are the God who saves me. All day long I put my hope in you. Remember, O Lord, your compassion and unfailing love, which you have shown from long ages past. Do not remember the rebellious sins of my youth. Remember me in the light of your unfailing love, for you are merciful, O Lord. 
take that away this week and pray it. I know God, because I've spoken to some of you, or the majority of you, I know God is moving in your hearts. God is calling you to holiness. God is calling you to take steps of faith. God is doing something. Follow Him. Listen to Him. And cry out as David cried out. Show me the right path, O Lord. Point out the road for me to follow. Lead me by, look at that, your truth and teach me. For you are the God who saves me. Don't that, don't stop God. <clears throat> don't turn from him. He's not going to force himself on you. He gives revelation after revelation. He draws you closer and closer and closer. So wash your hands, you sinners. <laughs> Turn from evil and do good. Repent with genuine repentance. Not that game playing, you know, that repentance game. I said earlier, we're like, oh, I'm sorry, oh, I'm sorry. And I mean it. No, a genuine, like, oh, God, I don't want to keep touching what dishonors you. I don't want to keep thinking what is contrary to your truth. I can't do this. But you can. You can. You can, God. You can do it in and through me. Verse 8, the Lord is good and does what is right. He shows the proper path to those who go astray. He leads the humble in doing right, teaching them his way. The Lord leads with unfailing love and faithfulness all who keep his covenant and obey his demands. For the, for the honor of your name, O Lord, forgive my many, many sins. Mm -hmm. Who are those who fear the Lord? He will show them the path they should, they should choose. They will live in prosperity and their children will inherit the land. The Lord is a friend to those who fear him. He teaches them his covenant. My eyes are always on the Lord, for he rescues me from the traps of my enemies. Hmm. To humble yourself before God. God, forgive me. I'm the of myself. I'm only going to keep sinning. A wretched man that I am, if I awaken my, this day and I go throughout this day in my flesh, I will only be consumed by it. But if I set my eyes upon you, God, remember my sins no more. I seek to honor you, not in my own strength, but in the strength in which you give me, Holy Spirit. Because you are my comforter, you are my teacher, you are my guide. Let me walk afresh and anew with you this day. Grant me peace and strength and endurance. When temptation comes, because temptation is not sin. It's when you give in to temptation that sin is birthed. Where does sin come from? From the desires that are from within that are contrary to God's truth. So when you sin, 
You choose to. You choose to rebel. You choose to say, God, you're not enough. I'm doing me. I'm doing me. I'm doing me. I'm doing me. And God's unfailing love says, well then, do you. If that's what you want. But realize whom you're leaving. So don't go that way. He makes a way out of every temptation. Seek him. Be restored. Be healed. Be free. Go to Proverbs chapter 6. Verse 6 through 11 is where we're ending today. Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And oh, how we need wisdom. Oh, how we need wisdom. Amen. And Proverbs 6 describes three people. Listen. The one who pledges to secure another's debt. The sluggards. The lazy people. And then the third one, the troublemaker. The last one, the troublemaker, is the worst. And the Lord detests him for it. But all three of these characters' shortcomings lead to destruction. Securing debt for someone else, being lazy, and being a troublemaker. It'll only lead to destruction. So today we're going to look at the lazy person. Verse 6 through 11 of chapter 6. Take lesson from the ants, you lazy bones. Learn from their ways. Become wise. Though they have no prince or governor or ruler to make them work, they labor hard all summer gathering food for the winter. But you, lazy bones, how long will you sleep? When will you wake up? A little extra sleep, a little more slumber, a little folding of the hands to rest, then poverty will pounce on you like a bandit. Scarcity will attack you like an armed robber. Lazy people produce nothing, you all. Nothing. They're lazy. And yet, they want everything. And don't we have a generation of lazy folk? Lazy people. Do it for me, do it for me, do it for me. Pay for me, give me this, give me that. And get angry with you if you don't do it for them. <laughs> Lazy. All they will know is destruction. All they will know. And look at the youth that is rising up in our generation today. Lazy. Will sleep all day long. Don't, don't even know what hard work is. Not all of them, but unfortunately the majority of them. And they get it because their parents are lazy. They see no hard work. They see no ethic. Oh, I get up to go to work every day, but how are you working in your home? How are you grumbling, complaining about your job in front of them? How it's everyone else's fault but yours. And then we wonder why we are producing in the church lazy folks who wants the government to take care of them. God help us. We're the church. We're God's people. We're to have good work ethic. We're to be hard workers. We're to rise early. 
We're to be diligent in our jobs. Honoring God. The ants don't have anyone forcing them to work. They just know if they don't work, they don't eat. And don't you know there's a scripture in the Bible that says those that do not work, don't feed them. That's in the Bible. Because you do not want to hinder people from growing. we got to wake up, you all. If you're lazy sitting in this room, then hear the truth of God's word today. All you will know is destruction. All you, you will have is poverty. The cycle of poverty in our generation is horrible. And especially in our nation, where our nation, you have the opportunity to succeed. We're unlike any other nation. And yet the poverty level in our nation It's too much. Because people are so consumed with themselves and what they don't have and what man has done to them. Oh, but turn your eyes to Jesus. Ask him, Lord, teach me to work. I don't want to be lazy. Teach me, oh God, how to be a faithful worker, how to work hard. I may be lacking in this, I may be lacking in that, but God, you will give me the wisdom that I need. And you students who are sitting here, and you're lazy in your schoolwork, then know this, you will be lazy in your jobs. (laughs) Wake up. Because the enemy only wants to steal, kill, and to destroy. Your flesh only wants to... Lead you to death quicker. Stop going the ways of the flesh. Stop being a slave to the enemy. Turn to Jesus. Be good students. Study. Work hard. Stop thinking everything's just going to be handed to you. Work hard. Succeed in life. Honor God. He will make the crooked path straight. You must trust in Him, you all. We must be diligent. We must be hard workers. I'm going to close this with this last song. And then I'll close this in prayer. Amen.